the Penguins sent down Tristan Jari yesterday. But apparently he did a U-turn on the Pennsylvania Turnpike because he was back in practice today. And Casey DeSmith was there too. Goaltender Matt Murray has a concussion from getting hit in the head with the puck at practice yesterday. No word on how long Murray's going to be out, but for now, it's going to be Jari and DeSmith between the pipes for Pittsburgh. DeSmith will start in goal tonight against New Jersey at PPG Paints Arena. Maybe this period without Murray determines who the number two goalie is. Jari has the tools, but maybe DeSmith has the toolbox. But let's be honest. If Murray is ever out long-term, the Pens are screwed. Jari isn't flurry, and neither is Casey DeSmith. Jari or DeSmith could win a couple of games in the playoffs, but neither one could win a playoff series against a good team. I'm sure some idiots will be mad at Murray because he got hurt. It's hockey. Guys get hurt. Goldies get hit in the head with pucks. Better it happens now than a month from now. The last two years were a unique situation with Murray and Flurry. No team has that now. The current Penguins goaltending situation is more typical. By the way, Dominic Simone was at the skate today, too, even though he got sent down. It looks like Jari and Simone getting sent down yesterday was some kind of paper move to keep them eligible for the AHL playoffs. At any rate, Jari's recall has been listed as an emergency recall because of Murray's injury. Uh, also, Tom Kuhnhockel is off the injured list. This is the Mark Madden Show, live from Buford's Kitchen on Fifth Avenue. It's the premier Penguins pregame spot. Be sure to stop by. Dial 412-333-WXDX to go one-on-one with the great one, or you can do what the cool kids do and follow me on Twitter, at MarkMadX. Derek Broussard was at the pregame skate this morning and will play tonight against New Jersey. Hey, talking about goalies, Washington lost 5-1 at Columbus last night, and Braden Holtby of the Caps got knocked out the box. Four goals against in the first period. Holtby is a former Vezina Trophy winner as the NHL's top goalie, but he is really, really struggling mightily this season. The Philadelphia Flyers are now in first place. How in the frig did that happen? More on that a bit later. Uh, Patrick Hornquist signed his contract today, made it official. Five years at an average annual value of $5.3 million. Uh, Jim Rutherford, the Penn's GM, he really is a miracle worker. Let's see how long Hornquist can be worth what he's going to make. I'm not complaining, but the Penn's window is two or three more years. Hornquist should be good through that window, and that's what matters. As Sam Warner of the Post-Gazette tweeted earlier today, the Penguins now have Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, Hornquist, Latang, Dumoulin, and Mata, all locked up through 2022, and some even longer than that. That's your Stanley Cup window. 
through 2022. Uh, the New Jersey Devils are in town. They currently sit fourth in the Metropolitan Division, just four points behind the Penguins. So I guess you could say this game is kind of big. Uh, it's a potential first-round matchup and quite the contradiction in styles. New Jersey is low-tech compared to the Penguins' high-tech. New Jersey has one big weapon up front, Taylor Hall, and not much else. Hall's real good. Uh, he's got 66 points in 57 games. He's kind of an MVP candidate. Kind of, sort of. And after that, their next three leading scorers are all rookies. Uh, Heischer, Brat, and Butcher. 41, 33, and 30 points respectively. Uh, those numbers are chicken feed compared to what they're piling up here in Pittsburgh. But they are rookies. And we are talking about New Jersey. Play it tight. Oh, and Butcher is a defenseman. You remember him, the Hobie Baker winner as collegiate hockey's top player last year that the Penguins tried to sign as a free agent. So the Devils are better. They're going to make the playoffs and will deserve to. But they still got guys like Brian Gibbons playing a regular shift. Uh, the ex-Penguin Jabroni. 12 goals for what that's worth, the vanilla midget. Uh, but the Devils are about system, like always. Corey Schneider's out, the goalie, their talisman, been out for over a month. And that's why New Jersey has slumped just a, a little bit. Well, they're streaky. Since the middle of January, they lost four in a row, won three in a row. Lost four in a row, won four in a row, and they're one and two since then. Like I said, very streaky. Uh, Schneider's the man when he is unable to play. It's not the same with Kincaid and Lack in goal. New Jersey is solid. Grabner's going to help a lot. Maroon, not so much. And he arrived very late last night, will not play today after being traded to the Devils from Edmonton. What, he has to sleep? He's tired because he flew first class from there to here? Says a lot about Patrick Maroon. Uh, the Devils will obviously exploit the absence of Ian Cole. As many of you have noted, that uh, there's probably no way for the Penguins to play around Cole no longer being in the defense corps. Uh, I'm live at Buford's on 5th Avenue, 412333WXDX. I'm really looking forward to the hockey stretch run starting tonight. Uh, now is when hockey really becomes hockey especially if you've got a contender. Uh, although we did have a bit of drama, a bit for a while, about making the playoffs. In retrospect, we probably worried way too much. And here we are, uh, pretty much locked into a playoff spot and battling for first place in the Metropolitan Division. I'm going to be a pleasure to welcome back to the show, first time in a long time, a key figure in the history of the Penguins and hockey here in Pittsburgh, from the Penguins Radio Network, it's Paul Steigerwald. Then at 4.30, we'll talk to the godfather, Stan Saverin. Uh, a little baseball note. The MLB Players Association has filed a grievance against the Pirates for failure to comply with the rules of revenue sharing, which state that revenue sharing money 
must be used to improve the on-the-field product. A grievance was also filed against Oakland, Tampa, and Miami. It is believed the Pirates uh, receive somewhere in the neighborhood of $40 million per year in revenue sharing and, of course, have slashed payroll relentlessly and remorselessly since their 98-win season in 2015. Uh, Of course, the Pirates are guilty uh, of what they're accused of in this grievance, but Pirates President Frank Coonley said the grievance is, quote, patently baseless, unquote, and a, quote, meritless claim, unquote. No word on whether Coonley's nose was growing as it spoke, as he spoke, uh, but I bet Coonley's nose was beat red. Hey, what he said, it could have been the booze talking. At least he wasn't driving. Now, if you think the Pirates aren't guilty of complying with the rules of revenue sharing, that they're not guilty of not using that money to improve the -the on-the-field product, peep this. The Pirates are the only major league team to not sign a major league free agent. The only major league team in the current offseason to not sign a major league free agent. The Pirates say they're not rebuilding, they're merely reloading. Well, they haven't put many new bullets in the chamber outside the acquisition of Corey Dickerson from Tampa Bay because right now it's a buyer's market. There's lots of talent available, lots of free agents out there looking for a place to play that could likely be had in a bargain. Know what the Pirates ought to do? Ought to sign Neil Walker. Neil Walker's still out there, and uh, there are certainly better players available. I'm not sure Walker would want to come back and play for this organization, but if you gave him a one-year deal at a reasonable price, you know what that would do? That would get people to shut up about issues like this, even if they should keep talking. Play Walker at third base. They got that Moran guy. Play Walker at second. Move Jay Hay to third. But sign a major league free agent because it's tough to dispute what you're accused of when you haven't done that. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I dread looking at the Metro Division standings. Today, anyway, because Philadelphia is on top. We'll speak about that in just a few moments. I'm live at Buford's on Fifth Avenue. I'm up in the catbird seat, the uh, the fourth floor party area. So if you're looking for me on the first floor, I'm not there. Some of you have already tweeted saying, hey, where are you? Well, I'm not there. I'm, I'm up here. I'm yelling so you can hear me downstairs. I'm up here. 105.9 X. This is Matt Hunwick of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Matt, if you're listening, you got to do better tonight than you did Saturday at Florida. Double M on The X live at Buford's Fifth Avenue. 412-333-WXDX is the number to call. Uh, the NFL's competition committee is meeting regarding potential rule changes. And they say now that Jesse James's catch was a catch. Well, that's way too late for that to help the Steelers, but thanks anyway. Uh, apparently, the NFL Competition Committee is going to relax the going to the ground requirement 
which would make what Jesse James did a catch and a touchdown. Uh, the NFL Competition Committee is also considering limiting pass interference penalties to 15 yards. A PI wouldn't be a spot foul anymore. It would be 15 yards max like it is in college football. Uh, I, I like that. I think it should be no more than 15 yards. I think a lot of times quarterbacks in desperate situations just throw long balls up there and the receiver looks for the interference penalty. Uh, this rule wouldn't eliminate that, but would make the payoff for doing that uh, a little less rich. Uh, turning back to hockey, which is what I prefer to do, Columbus killed Washington last night 5-1. I knew once they got Ian Cole, Columbus would be in fuego. Philadelphia beat Montreal 1-0 uh, in a shootout. I watched that game. It was actually very entertaining. I'm not even sure who was in goal for Montreal. Uh, but him and Mrazek for Philadelphia matched each other save for save. Uh, a very exciting 0-0 tie at the end of 65 minutes. Could have been 3-3, 4-4. Lots of chances, but zero goals. Philadelphia in first place right now. I'll expand on how disturbing that is just a little bit later. Tampa beat Toronto 4-3 in a shootout. Two of the Lightning got hurt. Kucherov, and it didn't look serious. Tyler Johnson, and it did look serious. Hopefully Kucherov will be out just long enough to allow Gino to overhaul him in the NHL scoring race. You know what was weird about the trade deadline? Didn't realize this until it was pointed out on Twitter. There's a high demand for defensemen, but not many defensemen of note moved uh, in the days leading up to the trade deadline, save, of course, Ryan McDonough to Tampa Bay. Apparently, Vegas was real close to getting Eric Carlson from Ottawa. And you know what else was weird? Uh, Kevin Allen of USA Today, America's top hockey writer, he noted this. John Tavares of the New York Islanders is going to be an unrestricted free agent. And if I'm Tavares, I'm leaving. I'm on the move. I'm seeing out my contract then. Sayonara, I don't stay with the New York Islanders. But the Islanders didn't even try to move Tavares. They must be confident about keeping him, but, but I don't see how they could be. The Islanders are a very borderline playoff team. If I had to bet, I would say they don't get in. They didn't bolster their team at the deadline, which isn't showing Tavares what he should want to see. And they're moving to Queens, but right now they're in Brooklyn, and Nobody wants to play in Brooklyn. Plus, they're playing a few games next year back at Nassau Coliseum in Long Island. But I'll tell you, bouncing back and forth from rink to rink, that won't be something the players enjoy doing, and it won't do their record any good either. So the fact that there was no movement with the Islanders at all, no players coming in, and John Tavares not even being offered a round from what I could ascertain, again, very surprised by that. Up next, he is a Pittsburgh hockey legend, did years on the Penguin broadcast, and now you can hear him all over Penguins radio. He is Paul Steigerwald. Steige up next here on 105.9 X. This is Chad Riedel of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 X. 
My guest right now can be heard all over the Penguins Radio Network, and he is one of the most important figures in the history of Pittsburgh hockey and the Penguins franchise. We welcome back to the show Paul Steigerwald. Uh, Steige, I was shocked when the Penguins signed Hornquist. How about you? I thought Broussard ate up a lot of cap moving forward, and I thought Hornquist would want to cash out in free agency. Well, that's always been the trend, hasn't it? I mean, it's very rare, and it's rather refreshing, too, that a player would decide to negotiate a contract in advance of becoming free. Uh, you don't see that a lot these days. But I think, you know, if you look at Patrick Hornquist, he probably felt that what the Penguins were offering was maybe not quite as much as he'd make in free agency, but enough for him, given where he is in his career and where he's playing. He loves it playing here. He knows. He made a statement the other day when the Penguins signed Broussard about management going for it and how much he appreciates that. So I think these players enjoy winning. I think they like playing in Pittsburgh. And it's just refreshing because I remember back in the 90s and the late early 2000s when players were in these situations, they always left. They always said they liked to stay, but they never stayed. And then they left and they probably wish they weren't somewhere else because everybody loves playing in Pittsburgh. There aren't too many players like Cornquist around anymore, are there? Uh, he's a dying breed with that skill and physicality. I have to laugh, Mark, when people compare Zach Aston Reese to Patrick Hornquist. Why? Because he goes to the front of the net? I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, there's nobody like Patrick Hornquist. You know, I mean, even Thomas Holmstrom wasn't like Patrick Hornquist because he's demonic. I mean, he's just crazy when he gets to the front of the net, and he absolutely torments goaltenders. It's not just that he goes into that dirty area and, you know, screens the goalie or scores goals from there. He literally has mastered the art of tormenting goaltenders, and it's a very special quality that he has, and it's contagious. Uh, you know, it rubs off on his teammates. He just so desperately wants to score and wants to win. And uh, that's just a great form of leadership that the Penguins cherish. And, frankly, uh, he's the first guy that Jim Rutherford brought in here. And I think that he's, to me, he sort of uh, is emblematic or personifies everything that, that, that Jim Rutherford felt the Penguins needed to be to be a successful team. And, you know, it's paid off in spades. It looks like Jake Gens was back on Crosby's line. And it's about time. Staggy, it was starting to look like Sid was the third-line center. It was crazy. The other night we uh, documented his line combinations. He started with three different lines at the beginning of each period, and we had it down as having four sets of wingers throughout the course of the game. And you may even remember there was a sequence during the telecast the other night where Mike Sullivan bent down and was talking to Sid for a long time in his year, and I'm pretty sure he was saying to him, hey, you know, I know this is a tough situation tonight where – using a lot of different people on your line, we'll, we'll get it straightened out or whatever. So I think Mike Sullivan probably felt it was important to make a, uh, you know, a, a decision on who was going to play with Sid here now that Derek Broussard's in the fold. So it would be nice to see them stick with that because Sid's the one guy who hasn't had consistent line mates, and I think he has to have them. What's your take on the Derek Broussard deal? I was shocked that the Penguins didn't have to give up more to get him. It was crazy. I think a lot of it had to do with Jordan McPhee not wanting Winnipeg to get him. And they just happened to have another guy in the other conference who had a real reason not to see Derek Broussard end up uh, with a team that he would be competing with in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I, I, I think that was just a stroke of luck for the Penguins that they were able to find a dance partner who would take on the salary, as Derek Broussard's salary is way more than the Penguins could have afforded. But since they're paying 40% of it, it's, it's just a perfect you know, storm and, and was one of those situations where 
it was apparently a better deal than than the Ottawa Senators could get from anybody else, which is amazing to me too, because you would have thought there were a lot of teams in the hunt, and that would have driven the price up. But it's just amazing that the Penguins were able to pull it off. How do you match up against the Penguins, Nostagi? If you were an opposing coach, how would you play it? I mean, Broussard and Kessel on the third line, nobody has that balance. No, the, the key really, and, and this is something that I've been thinking about a lot here over the last 24 hours, if you look back at the Penguins Stanley Cup championships, they really took advantage of teams' third defensive pairs along the way in both years. Uh, even up to the Stanley Cup final against San Jose, you may remember they had Roman Pollock and Brendan Dillon, I believe it was, as their third pair, and the Penguins really exploited that uh, against the Sharks. Uh, the, the Capitals had lost Brooks Orpik, uh to suspension, and they were down to only you know five experienced defensemen, and their third pair was definitely vulnerable. Same as last year. I mean, even in Nashville, you remember Ryan Ellis was hurt, so they had Yannick Weber playing on their third pair. Meanwhile, the Penguins had three solid pairs throughout both years that they won the Cup, uh, with Ian Cole and Justin Schultz playing on that third pair. So now the question becomes, are the Penguins somewhat vulnerable? Is their third pair good enough? And what if Sony goes down? Then how how will that affect it? So, and and you know I'm not saying that that it isn't. I just don't know if it is strong enough. And I think that would be the one area. And, and the only way that's going to become a problem is maybe when the Penguins play a team like Tampa that could really throw, you know, a, four lines at the Penguins and force them to have three solid defensive pairs uh, to defend against. But as far as defending against the Penguins, if the Penguins could get back to looking more like they looked in 2016 with that indomitable style that they played where they smothered the the opposition and they basically spent way more time in the offensive half of the ice than they did in their own end as they did last year. Last year they were holding the fort. So if they could get back to looking more like they did at 216 with the firepower that they have, then they won't be as vulnerable defensively and they won't require holding the fort as much as they did last year. We're talking to Paul Steigerwald here on 105.9 The X, the home of the Penguins. Let's stay with that Penguins defensive court for a second, Steige, specifically Matt Hunwick. Now that he's replaced Ian Cole as a regular in the Penguins lineup, how much faith do you have in Matt Hunwick to at least do the job Cole was doing? I think the greatest asset that Matt Hunwick might have is Jamie Alexiak. And the reason I say that is Hunwick is not a big guy. He might be the smallest defenseman in the Eastern Conference. But Alexiak's the biggest other than Zdeno Chara. So I think if Alexiak's range can kind of compensate for the lack of range that Hunwick has, and Hunwick's mobility can come into play as a, a guy who can help the Penguins get out of their own end with dispatch, I think that'll be, that'll, they'll be okay. Hunwick by himself is limited, I think, because he's not a big guy. He doesn't have a lot of range, but he's good. He's mobile. He skates well. He can move the puck and all those things. So I really think Alexiak, I'm not saying he has to compensate for him, but I think Alexiak's going to have to bring all of his tools to the party for Hunwick to be more effective. Matt Murray's concussed. Murray never gets a long-term injury, it seems, but he gets a lot of short-term injuries. Does that concern you? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think we all are going to have to wonder how Tristan Jari would handle a situation if Murray were out for a while. Uh, hopefully, as I said, the Penguins will look more like they did in 2016 and not expose their goaltenders to the kind of firepower that we saw last year when Fleury had to stand on his head in the first two rounds. Uh, so 
but but we never really know how a goaltender is going to handle that crucible of the playoffs until he's put in that situation. And we know how Matt Murray handles it, but if he's not there to play, that's going to be a tough thing for the Penguins. But I think, you know, Jari, I really like him. I think he's a heck of a goaltender, but he's unproven. So uh, naturally you'd have to be concerned. Well, how much confidence do you have in not only Jari, but Casey DeSmith, Stoggy, because I'm not sure the Penguins have yet decided who's the better of those two. I would agree. Um, I think, you know, Casey DeSmith has a lot of qualities that you like. Uh, but, you know, when you're talking about getting into a, uh, a a playoff run, and I know it's kind of weird now because a lot of times you might play the, fir- the best teams in the first two rounds like the Penguins did last year. It's kind of an absurd setup that they have. But let's just say that, you know, when you're playing teams that are of really high caliber, you know, then it's a little different story. Now you got guys that are all good shooters. They all could pick the corners. They all could score goals from the half wall and surprise you with shots. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are a team that a couple of years ago, and I think they're still this kind of team, they're kind of a counterattacking team. They kind of sit back a little bit more than I think they should. I thought John Cooper was outcoached in 2016 and sat back too much. But they still counterattack. They get odd man breaks, and they score. They don't need many chances to score goals. And that puts a lot of pressure on your goaltenders. And so I think either Casey DeSmith or Tristan Jari are going to have to prove that they can handle that. And it's, it's tougher as you get against the better teams that can score goals. Well, let's stay with Tampa Bay. How do the Penguins right now match up against the Lightning now that Tampa Bay's got McDonough and Miller? Well, Tampa Bay, you know, even in the year when the Penguins beat them, they didn't have Steven Stamkos till Game 7. And uh, they have a ton of firepower. So, I, I mean, I would say that the additions of, of McDonough in particular on the blue line, uh, that particular decision, they just got Andre Palat back, too. He's been out. He's been injured. So it's almost like getting another player at the trade deadline. They're loaded. and uh, But they haven't played all that well since December. Like, the Flyers have a better record than the Lightning do uh, since December 1st. So, it's, But they're a different team now because they've added a couple of key guys. Their defense is really good. So, you know, to me it's all about the Penguins have the strength down the middle and they have the top-end talent that still is superior to what the Lightning have. Um, I'll take Sid and Gino any day over Stamkos and Johnny Gord or Braden Point. Okay, so to me the Penguins still have greater firepower up front, but I think the Lightning might have a better defense. That will be borne out when they play each other, and I think they probably will. How do the Penguins match up with tonight's opponent, uh, the New Jersey Devils? Because outside of Taylor Hall, who's having uh, close to an MVP season, Stoggy, it's a very typical Devils team, isn't it? It is, um, but they skate, man. They really can fly. They play. They pressure the puck. Um, they play more like the Penguins do. You know, they play the way John Hines wants to play. And their third line center, Travis Zajac, you know, he's really slotted in nicely now. He was. You know, he was underqualified to be a second or first-line center, but now he's really good third-line center. And when the Penguins played the Devils last time, he checked Sid, did a great job, was the number one star in the game. So down the middle, they're actually pretty good. And, uh, you know, they just added Grabner, who's incredibly fast. We know he's a dangerous penalty killer and a guy that, you know, brings that blazing speed to the game. And they got Maroon, who's a big guy. He can't skate all that well, but he's good around the net. He can score goals. And, so, you know, they're a pretty good team. I mean, they, they're another team, though, that hasn't played that well since right before Christmas. Corey Schneider's been hurt the whole time. They've had to deal with less than, you know, standard goaltending. Uh, and I think with Corey Schneider on the mend, he'll be back soon. 
the Devils are, are probably going to be a better team going down the stretch than they've been since Christmas. And, uh, you know, they would give a team trouble. I don't think the Penguins would lose to them in a series by any means, but they're a pretty good team. Uh, and finally, Stag, what about Evgeny Malkin? Is this the best hockey Gino has ever played with right now? 22 goals in his last 21 games. What an incredible run of finishing. I agree totally, Mark. I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, I hate to compare people to Mario because, you know, there's only one Mario, but he does have that men against the boys look about him now. And, you know, man against boys look about him. And, and uh, to put those kind of numbers up in this era, that's, that's outrageous. So to me, uh, you know, the greatest goal scorer of this generation is Alexander Ovechkin, and he's challenging him for the top, you know, number in the, in the National Hockey League in goals right now. And uh, I've never seen him play better for a longer stretch than he's playing right now. Steige, great stuff. Thanks for taking the time. We'll see you at the rink in just a little bit. Okay, Mark. Take care, man. That's Paul Steigerwood. Like I said, been with the Penguins organization longer than anybody. One of the most important figures in the history of that franchise. I'm Mark Madden. I'm live at Buford's on 5th Avenue. Penguins and Devils tonight. PPG Paints Arena. In a few moments, I got some football news on top of the competition committee and the rule changes they're discussing. And I'm told the Steelers are serious about shopping around wide receiver Martavis Bryant. And I think that's good. 105.90X. It's at And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Just all kinds of loose women. Women in various states of moral decay. <laughs> I wasn't kidding. The X at 105.9. Looking back at uh, the NHL's trade deadline day, which was Monday at 3 p.m., just yesterday, my God, it seems like a million years ago now, doesn't it? Uh, looking at how the Penguins and Jim Rutherford did compared to how other teams and other general managers did, uh, I liked the Derek Broussard trade as soon as I heard it. But I liked it even more compared to the other trades, compared to what other teams did. When you look at Boston with the Nash deal and Tampa with the McDonough deal and Vegas with the Tatar deal and Winnipeg with the Statsny deal, I feel like the Penguins and Rutherford got the most value for money. Uh, Jim made a good deal. It's hard to tell about some of the deals like the Evander Kane deal with San Jose because I'm not necessarily a fan of Evander Kane. But like I keep saying, I expected to give up a first-round pick and Sprong and Sheary to get Broussard. And Pittsburgh gave up a first, Philip Gustafson and Ian Cole to get Broussard. I'd make that deal damn good deal. The first-round pick, Sprong and Sherry for Broussard? Honestly, I probably would have made it, but I might have flinched. No quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Yesterday, I talked about how curling should be co-ed. Turns out there is a co-ed competition at the Olympics. 
mixed doubles. I'll be sure to not watch that next time. I posted a video of Marc-Andre Fleury using curling technique to try and get the puck out of the no-touch zone behind the goal line in a recent game. It's very funny and demonstrates why Canada did not get a medal in uh, men's or women's curling at Pyeongchang. Uh, check it out on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. Uh, turning briefly to football, here's a bold move by the Minnesota Vikings. They're going to let both Case Keenum and Teddy Bridgewater become free agents, uh, the two quarterbacks, because they are all in on Kirk Cousins in free agency. I don't figure there's going to be a huge demand for Case Keenum. They can always go back and get him later, probably. Hey, maybe Bridgewater too, but boy, this bidding war for Kirk Cousins, wow, you'd actually think he was good or something. The Steelers are reportedly shopping wide receiver Martavis Bryant, and that's good. Bryant is underachieved going all the way back through his college days at Clemson. Now, he doesn't make much. He only makes 700 k and a little loose change uh, this coming season, but Bryant doesn't do much either. Uh, doesn't do much often enough to be worth the commotion he creates. In the last couple drafts, the Steelers haven't taken any troublemakers, mostly leaders and captains, good citizens. The Steelers are trying to straighten out their locker room. But it's tough to do that totally via the draft. It's very long term. So maybe the Steelers have just had enough of Martavis Bryant, and I wouldn't blame them if they have. Maybe the Steelers have just had enough of Le'Veon Bell, too. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster could replace Bryant. In many ways, Juju already has, but Juju's well on his way to being a douche, too. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, we spoke earlier about the Major League Baseball Players Association filing a grievance against the Pirates for failure to comply with the rules of revenue sharing. Uh, revenue sharing money has to be used to approve the on-the-field product. Uh, a grievance was also filed against Oakland, Tampa, and Miami. The Pirates get uh, $40 million or so in revenue sharing per year, and they have steadily cut payroll since 2015. Uh, the evidence... Uh, the fact that puts teeth in the argument of the MLBPA is the Pirates are the only Major League team to not sign a Major League free agent in the current offseason. And, and they could on the cheap. It's a buyer's market. We hear about all the unsigned free agents, and certainly that's a reason the union has filed this grievance. So there's lots of talent available on the cheap, relatively speaking. But the Pirates don't want to spend more money. Obviously, the union has a case. I don't know how it will play out, but uh, I don't know how many times the Pirates have to be shown to be hoodwinking the union, baseball in general, Pittsburgh, the ticket holders, the clubhouse, 
It is just a shambolic operation. Uh, let me take that back. It's not shambolic. There, and I can't say it's a fraud, but it's pretty close to it. What they're doing is very well organized, and it gets every penny possible. How this plays out, I don't know, but uh, the Players Association, obviously, right on the money. I don't want to talk about the Pirates. I'd rather talk about the Penguins. In fact, in just a little bit, I'm going to break down the Penguins against the Tampa Bay Lightning. A lot of people feel that will be the Eastern Conference Final, and a lot of people are already giving the Tampa Bay Lightning the advantage in a projected playoff series against the Penguins. So we'll compare those two teams in just a few moments. And we'll look at the Penguins' window. They tied up Hornquist. Now they have Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, Hornquist, Latang, Dumlin, and Mata locked up through at least 2022. All those guys through 2022. That's your Stanley Cup window. After that, they'll lose and I'll die. In just a moment, we compare the Lightning and the Penguins. Where the teams are at right now. I am live from Buford's on 5th Avenue. You're listening to Mark Madden on 105.9 The X.